God bless you. We're happy for all of you that are here with us tonight. And we have an interesting subject that we're going to be talking to you about here tonight that uh, God has sort of talked to my heart about, and I'm going to share it with you here tonight as well. And it's entitled, The Word of God Came. And I've used that expression because I'm taking it out of the scripture setting that is in in Luke 3, 2. So if you have your Bibles and want to turn with us to Luke 3, 2, uh, we'll use that as our spring off here. And I'm going to put a copy of what's being handed out to you there on the, uh, the overhead here. And uh, you can see what's up here. Let me adjust it here a little bit. Focus it. Hit the wrong button, I think. There we go. That's the the overhead that we've got that you're getting right now. I'm going to make it a little bit bigger. And we've entitled it, The Word Came. The Word of God Came, Luke 3, 2. And uh, the reason I've used that title is because that this is the way the, that the word of the Lord has come so many times throughout the ages. The word of God would just come. Unpredict, unpredictable. When God chose to do so, it would come mightily. It would come in various ways. It would come however God chose to do that. And if you look at your lessons, all of you should have one in your hand here. And I'm going to refer to number one here. The word of God always comes in the right time and will change things it always comes in the right time and in the right way the right time and the right way as i'll add that uh, and will change things when the word of god comes praise the lord i'm going to read luke through three two here to you <clears throat> this is speaking of the word of god coming to john the baptist and um, looking at verse two ananias and Sapphira, being the high priest, uh, this is telling you when all of this happened. And first verse talks about it now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, Caesar. Then he goes on to talk about Pontius Pilate and Herod and different ones. This is Herod, the son of Herod the Great, and about the uh, others that ruled different parts of Palestine at that time. Palestine was broken up in three parts. And then also verse 2 says, Ananias and Sapphira being the high priest at that time. This was actually 29 A.D. If you've got your Bible, you want to write that date in there. This is what that's referring to, 29 A.D. <clears throat> and it says, <clears throat> and Annas and, uh, uh, and Sapphira being the high priest, the word of God came unto John the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. Now, I won't go any further than to say it, just to say this, that God chooses in his own way, in his own time, when he wants to bring forth the word of God. But when the word of God comes, it's going to be powerful. It's going to be dynamic. It's going to change things. It'll not leave things the way they are. God's word is a very powerful thing. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to talk to you about this word here today. Uh, John the Baptist uh, was ordained from birth that he was going to be very specially used of God. And he was going to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was born. Their mothers were cousins, Mary 
the mother of Jesus and uh, Elizabeth, the mother of Zachariah, of, uh, of John the Baptist, we were cousins. And uh, John the Baptist was uh, something several months older than John, than Jesus was. Uh, they were of the priesthood. Jesus, as you know, uh, was of the of the uh, of the kingship lineage. He was direct descendant of David, both through Mary and also through Joseph, though Joseph was not his earthly father. But this is what happened with this man, uh, John the Baptist. The word of God came. Now, this is interesting because no prophet had been since Malachi. 400 years had elapsed and there had been no prophet. There had been no voice from the Lord. There had been no Isaiah. There had been no Jeremiah's. There had been no Ezekiel's. been no Daniel's. No one speaking saying, thus saith the Lord. If they did, they were hypocrites. They were liars. They were faking it. And there were no prophets at all that came until finally when John the Baptist was 30 years old. And this is unique because in the priesthood in those days, they never could become a priest. They had to be of the priesthood lineage of descendant of Aaron, but they could not become a priest until they were 30 years old. So it was around about the time he was 30 years old that God all of a sudden spoke to him the word of the Lord and called him. And so it says here, the word of God came unto John the Baptist. And then John the Baptist began to preach the word of the Lord uh, to all those people in Israel. Uh, he began to preach to everybody. He was fearless. He didn't hold any punches. He baptized them in water and unto repentance. It was not in the name of Jesus. It was unto repentance. And he told them, he says, I baptize you with water, but there cometh one after me, and he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And that Holy Ghost, praise the Lord, has a, has a spiritual fire to it that he was telling them that they're going to have whenever it would come. Praise the Lord. So this was some of the uh, forerunner uh, words that John the Baptist was saying. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Get ready, make yourself ready, get baptized. And many people in Israel did follow John the Baptist. They did get baptized uh, in water in that fashion and getting ready for the coming of the Messiah. Praise the Lord. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to move on a little bit further because the word of God not only just comes whenever it is chosen of God to come, but it has a way of bringing light out of darkness. Now, I'm going to use Genesis 1-1 here for an example of this, and I'm going to move into the areas here of showing you how that what was natural, God used in the spiritual. Now, stay with me on this, because if you understand this, folks, you'll, lot of, you'll understand a lot of the things of the ways of the Lord. And it's all right here in the book. It's right here in this good book. So if you have your Bibles, go with us to Genesis 1-1 here for a moment. And I'm going to read the very first verse, first few verses here. And in the, be in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, heaven, I should say, and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And that's how light came about. He just said, let there be light. It just happened. It just, it just came forth. It doesn't have to have a source. It just came forth light. You know, just like there's light in this room here. We all know they come from the bulbs. But what if you took all the bulbs out and there was still light? 
this is the kind of light that they had when God said, let there be light. That was just light. So he created light, praise the Lord, and said, let there be light. And there was light. And uh, I'm pointing this out to you because when God does things, he makes it very powerful in the sense that he makes these things happen. Praise the Lord. And then he separated the light from darkness. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Notice that. Not only did he make light, but he separated the light from darkness. This is important for us to understand because spiritually, that's what he did whenever Jesus came to this world. He separated light from darkness so that we who are in the light can understand what is light and what is darkness. Praise the Lord. And he gives us that understanding. So here's natural things that's always been since day one with God on this earth. I'm talking about day one as far as the earth is concerned and this creation and everything. And that he, that he made things, praise the Lord, in the natural. But also he followed the same pattern in also bringing about the spiritual things. So he brought, he brought a separation. Now, I'm going to go a little bit further here. If you look in verse 6, I'm still following here uh, this B part here. I'm on A there. Let me go to B here. He separated light from darkness, 1, 4. Now, see, his word, he made all things and brought about his the proper separation in all of them. I'm still here in Genesis 1, and I want you to look with me here in verses 6. I'm going to follow down here, verses 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. That's the waters that are liquid and the waters that are that is evaporated. That's, uh, that's H2O that's in the air. Uh, that's, uh, am I saying it right? I don't know. It's the water in the air. You know what I'm talking about, the, uh, the, the water vapor. And he divided that so that there's a difference there. And he divided the waters from the waters. Notice here that God brought a separation in that. Verse 7, and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. This is the gassy uh, waters. And it was so. And uh, I'm going down to verse 9 very quickly here. I'm moving on very quickly here. Verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And the Lord called the dry land earth and the gathering together and the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. I'm showing you here how God began to bring separation. You understand what I'm saying? When he made a creation, he would separate, separate the waters from the waters. Then he made separated waters from the land. And then he goes on to separate the lands from the sea. And he brought forth so forth. I won't get into a lot of this, but he began to make forth, bring forth all of these developments here. Uh, like in verse 20, if you'll jump to verse 20 very quickly, God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that have life, fowls that fly above the earth in the open firmament of the heavens. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly and out of their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them. Now, I'm just trying to show you here that as God made these creations, he separated them into their right perspective way. Now, when God brought salvation to mankind, he also brought separations with that. 
And this is something that we all have to understand in our walk with God, that when God brought light, spiritual light, he also brought uh, that separation to separate us from the darkness of this world. Now, I want you to go to John. I'm going to move on here a little bit, uh, a little bit further here. Uh, number two here, all through the Old Testament, God would send his word by his prophets when needed. John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets. I mentioned that to you. Uh, and the prophets 3-2 is what we just referred to. He was the forerunner of the uh, incarnated word of God, Jesus Christ. So he brought forth that and spoke those things into, brought, spoke those that they were coming down. Here's where I'm going on number three. The coming of Jesus Christ to the world brought spiritual light. I want you to go to John 1-1 with me. John 1-1. This is uh, the book of St. John that is in... uh... Yeah, let me find it. There it is. John 1-1. And this is... Similar to Genesis 1-1, but a little different. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The word with here comes from the word pros, P-R-O-S. It's a Greek word, pros. And uh, it, the word pros means to be with it as part of. Uh, for instance, uh, you can say, I have my health with me. Now, it's not another person with you. It's just your health is with you. You have your word with you. You understand what I'm saying? So in the beginning was the word, and the word was uh, with God, and the word was God. Okay? The word here is logos. It's another Greek word that I won't get into all the ramifications of it. But the word comes from the word, Greek word logos. And it not only means the spoken word, it means the thought word. It means what is thought or what is in God's plan as well. And this sort of goes along with Genesis 126, where it said, let us make man in our image. It was God's plan to create Jesus from the very beginning. I won't get into that, but that's a great Bible study. I'm just letting you understand here that the word, word here, being logos, it was more than just the spoken word, but it was also the thought word. But in this case here, it came forth from the Lord. And when it would come forth, it would be, of course, as we would say, spoken. Now, verse 2, and the same was in the beginning with God. Now, verse 3, all things were made by him, that is, by God, and without him was not anything made that was made. Folks, let me just say something here. All of this mess in the world today about things evolving, that is the most absurd belief. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. You know? But to say that we evolved from a, from a once, you know, like if, if a planet's got water on it, then it can start creating little, little uh, protozoas and little amoebas and little one-cell animals that you can't even see with the natural eye. They're microscopic and they just begin to, you know, divide. And next thing you know, they start developing intelligence and they start developing, they get a higher level. And finally, we all evolved from that. How ludicrous is that? I mean, come on, I got sense. I got common sense. You know, I always people say, well, that happened like millions of years. It took it millions of years. Yeah, but when before the million of years, whoever put the water there, whoever put the earth there, whoever put substance there, 
That was a big bang theory. What was the bang? What banged? Whatever the bang came from, who put that object there, you know? I mean, substance had to come from somewhere. And God Almighty is the one that does it. And God has given us all of that in the word of God. And he has given it to us that we might understand not only did God make everything in the natural. And did he put everything here that we see, everything we feel, everything we touch, everything that we can smell, everything that exists. Whether it's beautiful, whether it's bad, God brought forth everything in this whole world. He brought forth everything in the universe, praise God, everything. And whenever Jesus came, he was the spoken word that came into this world. And he brought forth spiritual things that coincided very much with the natural things that he also made and put forth here. Now, stay with me. Everybody stay with me. All right. I just had a little... Just have to talk about that a little bit. I get, I get bent out of shape over people that can't even use common. I mean, intelligent, educated people that try to say, "Oh no, no, no!" You know, we all evolved from. Come on, give me a break. You know, I mean, it's, it's not even doesn't even make common sense. All right, uh, in verse six, there was a man sent of God from John, whose name was John. The same came for witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. That is from the light. He was not the light. That's John. But was sent to bear witness of that light. Now he's speaking of Jesus here. That was the true light which lighted every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. Now verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. So that when Jesus came... He was the word of God made flesh among us, folks. And his words that he spoke were powerful words. They were powerful words. And whatever Jesus would say, whatever he would do, whatever he would, uh, whatever he would announce and so forth, they became a very powerful and a very blessed, great thing. Well, look in John 8, 12 with me for a moment. We're in John 1 there. I'm jumping over here to John 8, 12 for just a moment. This is just a simple scripture here, and I'm sure there's others that we could add to this very easily. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He's the light of the world, folks. And if you get away from Jesus, you get away from the light. And if you want to be spiritually awake and be able to see things as they are and understand the word of God because it's the, it's the light that God's given us in this world. We have to get close to Jesus. There's no other way because he's the light of the world spiritually speaking. And that light is in this word. Praise the Lord. I don't care whether we are 20 years old, 30, 50, 80 years old. I don't care how old you are. Whenever you start getting into this book and you start reading the word and you start getting close to him, I want you to know there is a light, a mental and a spiritual light that begins to develop in your spirit and in your soul that gives you an understanding of things that you don't have an understanding of without it. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you the truth. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Let me move on here. Then Jesus spake, I'm going to read this 12th verse again. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I'm the light of the world. And he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Notice that. That's us. 
but shall have the light of life. That's God's people, and that's what God has granted unto us and everything. All right, number four here. The word of God will always be right. Now, I want you to notice that. It'll always be right. It won't be wrong. It'll always be right. Now, I've got a scripture there. I want you to turn with me to Psalms 12, 6. This was uh, really a, was an eye-opener to me. Praise the Lord, 12, 6. And uh, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Man, that's just like saying the word of God is just so... You, it's, so, it's so pure. It's so pure and perfect. It's like gold. It's like silver that's been tried in a furnace. I'm not a silversmith or a goldsmith or all that, but I understand that gold and silver they put it in a fire, and everything that's not part of that substance they put there will burn out. But the pure gold and the pure silver will never burn away. It'll never burn away. It'll always survive. They turn the fire up hot, 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 and it'll burn out everything else. But that silver, that gold will survive. And this is what the word, the Bible is telling us about the word of God, that it will always survive. Uh, here's another scripture that is over here in uh, Isaiah. This is not in your notes here. I mean, not Isaiah, but Psalms 33, 4. And I just like it. I just like what it says. For the word of the Lord is right. And all his works are done in truth. Just that little phrase. For the word of the Lord is right. Praise the Lord. Now, before I go any further, and i got a lot to talk to you about here in just a moment. Coming up, I know we're down toward the end here, but I'm not toward the end. i got a lot to talk to you about. Let me just say this, folks. Stay with this book. This book is right. I'm going to say it. The book says it. The word of God says it, and we're just going to talk about it some tonight, but don't leave the book. Praise the Lord. Stay with it. It'll be right. It'll be right on course. It'll get you through every trial, every test, every difficulty, every problem that you go through because God's word is always true. Praise God. Now, let me move on a little bit further here. I want to talk to you about some things here and, uh, Look at A here. It will keep us straight in our walk with God. It'll keep us straight. I want you to go to 2 uh, Timothy 3 and 16. 316. Praise God. This is Paul writing to Timothy. And 2 Timothy was the last book that Paul wrote just before his execution. He was executed, as you well know. Uh, so where's in his senior life years? And Timothy was one of his uh, disciples and also one of his, he, he actually had made Timothy the pastor of the church of Ephesus. And over that whole group for a long time, Timothy was a well-known pastor following the life of Paul. And he was writing this last epistle to Timothy and was saying the things that he wanted him, like saying, don't forget what I'm telling you here. Of all the things I've said, and you've heard me say, don't forget what I'm telling you here. And he says here in the 16th verse, all scripture, all scripture. I got a ring around that word, all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for, 
Number one, doctrine for reproof. That's rebuke for straightening somebody out. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And he's telling him and say, Timothy, if you want to stay straight on everything and do everything right and do it the right way, stay with the book, stay with the word. And the word of God has got all the answers in here. You can deal with all the problems that you'll be faced with as a pastor and as a Christian. You'll find it all right in the book. And so he began to talk to him about that. And this is a powerful thing. Now, he talked about doctrine here. He talked about the doctrine here. He says it's good for doctrine. Doctrine is what we believe. Doctrine is what we teach. And I want to talk primarily here for just a few moments here with you that we have to know what the doctrine is and not be confused about it. Now, let me just go some elementary things here. I'm going to throw some elementary things at you here. And I don't, it's, scripture's not on here, and I'm just going to just give it to you. But Matthew 28 and 19, Jesus said, Go ye in all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Everything. That's the only verse in the Bible where it speaks of baptizing in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It says name. It does not say names, S. There's no names. It's a single name. Go in all the world baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Meaning that the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost is the same thing. What is the name? How do I know what the name is? How can I know what the name is? By going to see how the disciples did baptize. And if you look in Acts uh, 2.38... And if you put on the board, on the screen here, Acts 2.38, Jesus told them, whatever he says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So notice here, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And so it's there. It's just plain as day. Uh, look at, look at uh, Acts 8.16. This is where uh, Philip went to uh, Samaria and baptized all those people in Samaria, for as yet he was fallen upon none, speaking of the Holy Ghost, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they, all the people in Samaria, Samaria, were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You understand? So there was, uh, there was Philip baptizing in the name of Jesus in Samaria. And then uh, Paul, uh, not Paul, but uh, Peter again in Acts chapter 10. Look at verse 48, 1048. And uh, and he commanded, this is the household of Cornelius. They were all Gentiles, all Gentiles. Samaritans were half Jews and half Gentiles. Now these were all Gentiles. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. This was Peter that was, pre- that was there. Then prayed he them to tarry certain days. They had just received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the Holy Ghost fallen upon them. And they were speaking in tongues, verse 4 to 6. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But I'm just telling you here. That he told him to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Okay, what about Paul? He was the apostle to the to the to the Gentiles. What did he have to say about all of this? Look in uh, Ephesians 19, and I'm going to read verses one right on down through. Just read the whole thing. Ephesians, Acts, uh, Acts uh, 19. I know I'm. God bless those people up there. They stay with me. Acts 19:1. There we go. 
And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, certain disciples. What kind of disciples? Christian disciples of some type. But look at the next verse, verse 2. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Meaning that they should have received the Holy Ghost since they were believers, right? And they said unto him, we have not so much heard of there being a Holy Ghost. We don't know anything about any Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost means Holy Spirit for anybody that wants to know that. The next verse, 3. And he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? And he's trying to get to the bottom of who these people were. And they said unto John's baptism, that's John the Baptist. They were some of those old original ones who had been baptized unto repentance. And they were up there in effort and they had never heard about Jesus named baptism. And so he goes on the next verse, four. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Now, the next verse. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see what I'm talking about? You got all, you got four scriptures right here where the apostles all baptized in Jesus. Now, that's sound doctrine. You understand? So I don't have to be confused about that. So when I read Matthew 28, 19, you know, go you know all the world baptizing in the name. I know it's the name of the Lord, name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't, it didn't say names, S. It didn't say there's a name, singular. Praise the Lord. And they all went out and they baptized all of these apostles. And when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached to them, and said, they said, man, brother, what shall we do? And he says, uh, repent and be baptized. He told them that in the 38th verse. All of the other apostles, all of them except Judas's carrier, who had just betrayed the Lord. But the other uh, rest of the 11 that was left at that time, the other 10 were standing there with him. And if he had been in error there, they would have said, wait a minute, Peter, wait a minute. That's not what Jesus said. He said, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. They said, no, no, you're doing it wrong. That's not what they said. Because they all knew that when Jesus said, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, they, the name they knew was to be Jesus. And when Peter said it on the day of Pentecost, they all agreed, and they all baptized that way. And there was never any question. For 300 years, there was never any question about it. Or maybe 200 years after after. Uh, the ascension of Christ and so forth. So I'm just trying to point out to you here that this is sound doctrine. And we have to learn, praise the Lord, to stay with sound doctrine in things. Praise the Lord. Uh, I can talk to you more about let's, uh, like the Holy look at uh, Look at Acts 2.4. Look at 2.4. This talks about uh, the Holy Ghost coming upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. That's not hard to figure out. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Thank God for that. Praise the Lord. The Spirit gives you utterance. I'd never talking. I didn't know anything about talking in tongues. I was a teenage boy at 16 years old. I went down to the altar started praying and praying and praying. I was repenting and I was crying and I said, God, you know, forgive me. And somebody whispered my ear and say, praise the Lord. I said, I can't say praise the Lord. That's not me. I can't. I don't know how to say praise the Lord. I, I didn't say that out loud. I said it to myself. They said, say hallelujah. Say thank you, Jesus. They started saying words to me. People that were praying with me started telling me they knew what I needed to do. 
And so I was like, ah, Lord, you know, I'm so, you know, I'm so sorry, you know, and everything. And finally I began to squeak it out. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And boy, I'd feel, you know, I'd feel the Holy Ghost come over me like that. I said, ooh, what's that? And I said, yeah. I said, Lord, I love you. And all of a sudden, boy, I felt something else. I was entering from repentance into praise. And that's how you receive the Holy Ghost. You don't receive the Holy Ghost by crying. You receive it when you start praising God and glorifying God. You've got to repent first, of course. But when you move past that, and all of a sudden, of course, I've received it. And that's what happened. The Holy Ghost came and I started speaking. And the next thing I know, I was talking to him. I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know what it was. It didn't matter. It just felt good. And I was worshiping the Lord. And I was trying to say things in English. And instead, I was, I was, I don't know what I was saying. Amen. And that's called the evidence of the Holy Ghost. There's also devotional tongues. We, after we have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, sometimes when we just worship, we speak with tongues. That's called devotional tongues. And then there's the gift of tongues that's given to give a message in the church like we had last Sunday. You know, God bless these folks that have those gifts. I have a sister from Jamaica, uh, Dr. Myers, this other young lady now. She, sister, her, she's been talking to Sister Myers about her gift. Sister Myers said, just go ahead and use it. God will use you. God will use you. So I'm just saying there's also the gift of, of giving a message in tongues in which nobody ever thinks. And it's amazing, folks. Everybody can be worship and a spirit can just just like that. And everything gets quiet and somebody give a message just like that. And just like God just calmed everything. Everybody, we can be worshiping and all of a sudden it's just quiet down. I've been in I've been in congregations of thousands of people. And that would happen. That whole congregation would go quiet. And that would be a message in tongues that would come forth. And you couldn't always understand it because it would be somebody's voice way, I'm in a balcony way down there maybe, or they're across the big auditorium and everything. But I'd find out what it was later from whoever, you know, how they was able to be able to capture it. I'm just trying to tell you here that this speaking in tongues, praise the Lord, is also that utterance that comes forth when you receive that wonderful baptism of the Holy Ghost and it stays with you. That's something you don't want to lose. Look at, uh, look at Acts, uh, look at 1040, uh, 1046. 1046. This is Cornelius and his household. This is when they, Peter was preaching to them. Uh, go to 45. We'll read that one. Then this will tie in with it. Verse 45. I'm sorry, folks. God bless you. Back it up. And they are the circumcision. That's the Jews which believed were astonished. They are the ones that came with Peter. As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They were amazed at this. How, how did they know they had the Holy Ghost? Look at the next verse, 47. Oh, here at 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, and this is that 47. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost? And then we've already read the 48 verse. Then he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then in, in Acts chapter 40, uh, we read that 48, 46, Acts chapter, uh, not 46, but Acts, uh, 1, Acts 9, Acts 19, I'm sorry, I'm getting my chapters and verses mixed up. Acts 19, and this would be verse 6, I believe it is. It came to pass that while Peter and Paul, go to verse 2, I think we've already gone through some of these. He said unto them, you received the Holy Ghost. And then verse 3. He said unto them, unto what? Then were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. Verse 4. 
Then Paul was very baptized with him. He was saying they should believe in Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 5 and 6, I think, is where we're going. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were baptized. Then in verse 6, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Spake with tongues and prophesied. Prophesy means they would they were under the anointing of God, and they would just say, they just speak out the words of the Lord in our own language. The word prophesy always means in our own language. But in tongues, it was... I'm just trying to give you sound doctrine. And now you say, Brother Byron, we know all of this. I'm just also letting you know here, folks, that the word of God will keep us right on sound doctrine. Praise the Lord. Let me move on a little bit further here. Praise the Lord. Look at reproof here. This is another word that's found there in 2 Timothy 3.16. Reproof. Look at, look at Galatians 1.6 with me. Galatians 1.6. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Galatians 1.6. Now, this is Paul getting on to these Galatians because he had won them to the Lord, baptized them in Jesus' name. They had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They were church walking with God. And somebody came along and told them they had to go back and start doing sacrifices at the temple. And they had to start, they, all the men had to be circumcised. And they started giving them all the stories that they had to do and go back under the law and do all the stuff that had they, that was not required in the New Testament. And that the Lord never intended for it to be required in the New Testament. And so they came back and they said, you got to start doing all this kind of stuff. And so Paul is writing this letter to the Galatians saying, man, you guys, what's happened to you? Look what it says here in verse 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of God, a, a, a grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. Notice that, which is not another gospel. There's only one gospel, folks. Gospel means good news. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another but there be some that trouble you. Let me just say this. There's always going to be somebody out here that's got some kind of a weird belief or weird doctrine or something that they come up with. Folks, I've heard everything. is nothing, hardly new, nothing new as long as I've been around. I've heard just about all of them. Somebody will say, oh, boy, 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 boy. I, I, I've heard all that stuff. I give you a scripture to prove it wrong. I mean, you know. It's all right here. It's right in the book here. You don't have to go following strange doctrines. I had a good friend one time from Pennsylvania, pastor church up there. Good brother. He came down and preached for me years ago. Good man. Went up there and preached for him one time. And uh, anyhow, I heard after, you know, we had been friends for some time. I'd heard by the grapevine that he had made a change. I said, what was the change he made? It was this, that he said that we do not baptize in Jesus' name. We baptize in the name of Yahashua. Yahashua is the Hebrew name. The name Jesus is not the right name. So we're baptizing everybody wrong. And so he decided that he was doing it wrong. And he had become discouraged because it seemed like his church wasn't growing. He said, I must be doing something wrong. Somebody come along and said, you need to baptize in the name of Yahashua. 
Yahashua is the Hebrew word for Jesus or Joshua. It's the same thing. Joshua, which we we pronounce it with J, and the 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 the, uh, the, the Israelites pronounce it with a Y, like Jerusalem. We say Jerusalem. They say Jerusalem. They pronounce the Y instead of the J. Anyhow, it's Yahashua, which was the old Hebrew word for the name that would be named Jesus today. But Jesus never spoke Hebrew in the New Testament. In the New Testament, the Jews never spoke pure Hebrew. They didn't speak that Old Testament Hebrew. They spoke an Aramaic, was called Aramaic. That's why when Jesus hung on the cross and he said, you know, he was hanging on the cross, and he said, Eli, Eli, Lamach, Sabachthani, he spoke pure Hebrew there. And he was saying, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And when he said that, they didn't know what he was saying. He said, Eli, Eli, Lamech. They said, he's calling for Eli. Who is he? Eli, what's he calling for? They went and got vinegar and put it on the cross, put it up to it. Excuse me. <coughs> Jesus was speaking pure Hebrew because they were not used to that. They were not used to that. I mean, the Jews down below were not used to that. They were used to Aramaic. And so Jesus, praise the Lord, was the, if you're, if you're Spanish, is Jesus, right? If you're Spanish, is Jesus Jesus. They baptized the name of Whatever, praise the Lord. You know, but you don't have to go and rebaptize everybody in some Hebrew word. That's false doctrine. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Hey, we had we had a couple that get saved in this church. And the lady had a sister in Australia. She went down to Australia, visited her sister. Her sister was in the church down there. They came back and said, oh, we found out that we're not doing it right. Oh, really? What's wrong? What's what's not right? Well, we found out that in the end, everybody's going to be saved anyhow. Nobody's going to be lost. Even the devil. This is the truth. That's what they told me. Even the devil's going to be saved. So it doesn't matter how how you live. Holiness means nothing. And all of a sudden, she changed drastically and said, I'm just going to live any kind of way I want to live. And they did. They changed and I talked to him privately. I said, your, your wife believes this stuff because her sister told her that down in Australia. They come back with this new doctor and everything, fanning around. Everybody in the church said, no, we don't know part of it. But they left the church. I left. I said, are you going to follow that? He said, Brother Myers, he said, I don't, I just don't, he said, I don't want a divorce. You know, I'm going to end up in a divorce. So I'm just going to try to stay with her. I said, you're going to wind up losing God and her, you know, if you're trying to do that to save your marriage. He did. He wound up losing her and, and God. He lost out with God. I could even names and all that. It doesn't matter. I'm talking about false doctrine, folks. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But the Bible says that the word of God will keep us straight. Thank God for the word. It'll keep you straight on everything. Let me move on here. I'm just, I'm getting off and all kind of stuff here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, Look in uh, the book of, let's go to correction here. It's good for correction. I mentioned there Galatians 1.6. Let me finish reading this in Galatians. Would you mind me doing that? Let me finish this. Galatians 1.6. I marvel that you so soon removed from him that the grace of God, uh, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. Look at this closely. 
But though we, look at what Paul says here, though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we preached, preached, past tense, unto you, let him be accursed. Wow. Then he repeats it. Look at verse 9. And as we have said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that we have preached, let him be accursed. What did Paul preach? We just looked at it in Acts 19.1. Remember that? 19.1, not on down through, when he saw those disciples of John, said, how were you baptized? They said, John's baptism. That's Paul. Paul talking to them. Paul. <coughs> <coughs> Paul baptized them in Jesus' name. <clears throat> they received the baptism and laid hands on them. They received the Holy Ghost. That was Paul's gospel. That was the gospel he preached. So he's saying if anybody preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. Boy, that was strong words. And then in that Galatian church, he moves on over. I'm going over chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. 1, 2, and 3. Chapter 3. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? That ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has evidently set forth crucified among you. This only will I learn of you. Receive ye the spirit by the works of the law. Because they were going back under the law. And having to think that they got to go back and keep the law of the Old Testament in order to be fully saved. Receive ye the Holy, the, the spirit that is the Holy Ghost. The word spirit is all, is capital S. Meaning that God's spirit. Received ye the spirit of God by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith or, or, or by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? So he's rebuking him for it. I'm just trying to show you here that this is where that these reproofs and corrections and so forth come. One other here I'll have you go to look at the one about three uh, correction here. First Corinthians 15. This is one that. Uh, I want to show you here real quick. First Corinthians chapter 15. Look at this. This is some of the people in the early church. Paul had to deal with this stuff. I'm looking, reading in verse 12, 15, 12. Now, Paul be preached. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Look at that. Some of you are saying there is no resurrection of the dead. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? You know, there is a, I don't know how to call it, it's not a denomination. It's a, I guess it's a Christian group of people. But uh, they believe Jesus is Michael the Archangel. This sort of a, anyhow, they got some funny beliefs. But they do not believe in the resurrection. They do not believe Jesus rose from the dead. And at Easter time, when the big emphasis is on the crucifixion and the resurrection, they put all the emphasis on the crucifixion, never mention anything about the resurrection. <clears throat> I won't say who they are because I don't want to, you know, don't want to go there. But I'm just trying to say here that they do not believe in the resurrection. And I've debated with them in times past. And some of them have discussed the word, we call it, discussing the word with them. And uh, I said to them, Jesus rose from the dead. And they said, no. I said, what happened to his body that when they found they went to the tomb, it was empty. What happened? I said, he wasn't there. They said, we don't know. I said, I know. Ask me. It tells you in the book right here. It's in the book. He rose from the dead. <laughs> right. That's what Paul's talking about here. <coughs>
Our people don't really believe that. Are you kidding? There's a whole denomination of people that believe that. They believe that. They believe it's Michael the Archangel. They don't believe in hell either. Okay, I'll move on. 15, 12. If Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how is some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also in vain. In other words, everything means nothing if there is no resurrection. Yea, and we are found false witness of Christ because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Verse 16, for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ risen. Now, look at verse 17. And 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. In other words, if that's all the hope we have in Jesus living for God is just being happy and maybe, you know, things working out a little better in our lives, no hope of the resurrection or anything like that. Folks, the resurrection is the body. This is what dies. We're body, soul, and spirit. I can show you that in scripture. And when we die, our soul and our spirit, your soul is, is you. Your soul is your person. Your spirit is the life in your person. Your body is that outward house that we are in. The Bible refers to it sometimes as, as our house or as a tent, you know. And whenever the, we die, the body, praise the Lord, dies. The soul and the spirit goes back to God who gave it. I give you all scripture on this. That's a whole Bible study in itself. <clears throat> I give you a lot of scripture on that. Goes back to God. And when the rapture takes place, the spirit, praise the Lord, comes back and is reunited with the body. But it's not the same body. It is a new body, a heavenly body that God gives and it comes forth. Praise the Lord. That's why the graves, the Bible talks about in the resurrection, the graves are going to open up. But it'll be the resurrected body, resurrected body. Don't ever be, and that's why you don't ever want to mess around with this stuff about the walking dead, because that's a mockery of the devil trying to make the resurrection look like it's a it's a ghastly old thing. That's not it true at all. But God, praise the Lord, has the promise of the resurrection for us if we walk with him in truth and spirit. That's what Paul's talking about. Here's what he says here. But, verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. In other words, Paul, uh, Jesus rose from the dead and he rose in that body. He rose in that body. And then it was glorified. And then it was on verse 23. But every man in his own order, the Christ, the first fruits, I was they that are Christ at his coming. That's us when the Lord comes back again. I won't go any further here with that, only to say that you always want to believe in the resurrection. That's something that uh, they would try to keep away from us and keep out of our uh, out of our touch. Amen. I, uh, there's all kinds of doctrines out there. Let me read this one from 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 13. For such as are false prophet, uh, false apostles. This is 11:13 of 2 Corinthians. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, that's Satan's ministers, also be transformed into ministers of righteousness, 
whose end shall be according to their works. He's talking about with deceiving things that they try to deceive and so forth. And I won't go any further than that because my time is getting away. And let me get on down here to one other thing here. Uh, instructions in righteousness, how to live for God, how to, how to please God. Uh, the Lord wants us to be able to walk with him in, in everything. Praise the Lord. Uh, the word of God is, uh, is a healer. The epistles will always keep us straight. These books in the Bible here. This books in the Bible here. It'll always keep us straight. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for it. Amen. Praise God. I'm reading uh, St. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Look at this very closely here. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only. Are you getting the picture here? The word. Speak the word only. Because the Lord is the word of God in flesh on this earth. And he said, if you just speak the word only. I'm jumping down here to save time. Verse 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. All Jesus had to say was, go and your servant is healed. Folks, the Lord is still in the healing business. He's still in the healing business. I've seen the Lord heal. I've seen miracles. I saw blind. Years ago, I and another pastor, brother, right up in Crawfordville, Indiana, prayed for a blind boy, 12 years old, blind, could not see. His grandfather brought him to church. Laid hands on him, prayed for him. And while we were praying for him, all of a sudden that boy screamed out, I see, I see, I see. And the baptistry was up behind the pulpit. And up there was a picture of Jesus holding a little sheep in his arm, you know, the lost sheep. And they had a painting on that wall in that church. And he says, I see that picture, I see that picture. I'm telling you, it turned that whole place upside down. And everything, I'll be honest with you, there was not, you couldn't even get in there the next night in services, packed out. People outside in their cars, they had to open the windows so people could hear them preaching the gospel. I'm just saying that God can do anything. I've seen him do it. That's just one example. I prayed for a lady one time that had a brain tumor that had gone to Shane's Hospital. They said, we got to operate. you got a brain tumor. She's paralyzed on one side of her body like this, totally paralyzed on her left side, in a wheelchair, sitting in her house. She asked me to come by and pray for her. And she was a backslider, backslider. And uh, my wife called me a couple of times and said, Mrs. Register really wants you to go by and pray for her. I said, okay, I keep forgetting. I got to, I got to do that. I, got, I was busy running around town doing different things. I said, all right, I will. And everything. And I went by there and that lady, she said, the Shane sent me home. And they said, they're going to shave my head and operate on my hair. And I said, I don't want my hair cut because I never had to have my hair. I never have had my hair cut and everything. And she says, let me go home first. And she came and says, I want to be prayed for, Brother Myers. And so I said, all right, <clears throat> laid hands on her and prayed for her, period. And while I, when I got through praying for her, she was still sitting there crying and praying like in that, that 
paralyzed. But, and a word came to me. And I said this to her. I said, Mrs. Register, if God heals you, will you serve him? Without a just, will you serve him? She said, oh, yes, Brother Myers, I will, I will, I will. She started crying. I laid hands on her, folks. And while I was praying for her, she came up out of that wheelchair. And she was on both feet, standing up, dancing all over the place, waving her hands all about. And she was totally healed. I'm telling you, I've seen it. I've seen it happen. This happened in this church. I'm telling you, God heals. Praise the Lord. And uh, these napkins that we prayed for the other day, I, I'm curious as to know if there's, there's any reports on those napkins, people being healed by the napkins being laid on somebody. If you hear anything, let us know. I mean, let, you know, pastor know. And let us know those things. Because God, praise the Lord, is in the healing business. And his word does the healing. Praise the Lord. It's all in the word of God. And I want you to know here today that God, praise the Lord, can do anything And we need to keep believing the word of God. He will never leave us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Hang on to those words. No matter what happens, how things go, the Lord, your word says you will never leave me. Praise the Lord. And God is a healer. God is a savior. God is a friend that will never leave nor forsake us. He is true to his word. This will never change. You don't have to worry about it changing. Things change out here, but this will never change. And God is with his people. Let's stand together and give God the praise and the glory. Let's worship and magnify his name. Would you just lift your hands with me and let's praise him together. Oh, Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence, your power, your spirit, your grace, your love, your goodness, your mercy. God, bless your people. Bless All of us here tonight, bless all of these classes that have been in session. Go with us at this time and meet back with us at the appointed time, God. We love you for all things and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.